know, one of the things I think God has the greatest challenge in doing is convincing us of who he is. He is able. He is all sufficient. But still we go through life with such limited views, not only of God, but of our own self. If we ever could catch a glimpse, I thought about the, we, we sang about it, the water turned to wine. Somebody explained that one time and said, well, it was uh, nature. It was water, natural, looking into supernatural's eyes, and it blushed. I wish that would happen to us, that when we look into his face, we would we would be affected in that way. We should be. Amen. God's been good to us, hasn't he? You ought to clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. Even on Wednesday night. Amen. Amen. Our young people are slipping out for their class. Uh, we would like to, to poll our parents concerning our children. Uh, I know you would probably like to see them back in class. We're trying to do that wisely. So uh, hopefully soon we'll have our kids' church back in full operation and looking forward to uh, maybe being in our sanctuary in a couple of weeks. That would be awesome. Amen. Pray, pray, pray in Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go through the Word tonight. I'm going to begin in the book of Nehemiah. Go from there to the book of Psalms and then conclude in the book of John. Nehemiah, Psalms, and John. And I want to say a great big thank you to all of the men who have been able to come by and help us. We've made great strides the last uh, couple of weeks and uh, looking very good right now. I'm very thankful for that. If we can get a good... uh, a couple of more days work out of our fire line, guys, uh, we will be connected. I think they're almost through. And I'm going to tell you, if you hear a great big shout that reverberates all over Houston and you see a smoke cloud come up from this side of town, you will know we are finally connected because I'm going to do a little shouting when all this is done. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 8. I'm going to take you to a passage of Scripture that is often quoted, but I'm not sure we fully understand it. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 10, and it reads like this. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet. Send portions Unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry. Don't be sad. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Psalms chapter 16, verse number 
11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. You're going to tell me the path of life. This is how to live life at its best and at its fullest. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. John chapter 15. John the the 15th chapter and verse number 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you. I have said all of these things. So you need to go back and start at the beginning of verse 14 and read what he is saying here. All of these things I have spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy will be full. John chapter 17 will conclude and you will uh, be able to be seated. John 17 and verse 13. And he said, and now come I, Jesus is praying now. And he said, now I come to thee and these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy. And I have never really paid close attention to this until just recently, that they might have my joy fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled in themselves. That the Lord, the joy of the Lord would be fulfilled in us. And I want to talk to you a little while tonight about life's greatest asset. Life's greatest asset. You may be seated. You know, unless you have been living in a fog or you have been on another planet or you've been asleep, life is difficult. Life is tough. It is stressful. The last few months in particular have been very taxing on us and the problems, issues of life, the fears that arise, all of that makes life a difficult thing. It is challenging. And far more often uh, than we like to admit I feel like there is something missing in life in the child of God that God meant to be there to be our help and yet we fail to utilize it. We fail to recognize the importance and power of it. God gave it to us because he meant it to be our help. He meant it to be an aid to life's difficulties. But for whatever reason, we do not appropriate it. We don't utilize or recognize it. One thing I've discovered about living for God, there's a lot of great promises in here, but until you appropriate them, until you put your name on them, until you speak them over your life, they are nothing but letters of black and white. 
But when you start speaking them over your life, they take on a life of themselves to your life, and that's the way God intended for it to be. And I believe that joy is one of those things that God has given to us for our help. And I want to try to help you understand that tonight. And I, I feel woefully inadequate. I have been struggling with this for several weeks. And every time I come back to it, I feel like, well, I just need to push it off another week. And, and maybe I'll feel better, more prepared. And I push it off another week. And I don't feel any better the next week about it because I can't seem to fully get my hands around what uh, the scripture is saying concerning the subject of joy. But our text tonight in Nehemiah chapter 8, one of the most oft-quoted scriptures that I know of, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we understand to some degree uh, what the word joy uh, means, but I think we fail to understand what the word strength means there in that setting in Nehemiah. For literally translated, it means defense. The joy of the Lord is my defense. When I read that a while back, I thought, well, what is it defending against? I mean, if I need a defense, there's got to be an enemy out there. There's got to be a reason that God gave me this. And so what is this joy defending me from? What is it defending me against? And as I studied this particular subject, I discovered that it was none other than the assaults of life upon our soul. The pressures, the issues, the troubles, the fears, the stress, the strain, all of those are the assaults that come to our life. And God has given us an asset. He has given us uh, equipment to deal with that and to navigate those difficulties and fears and to deal with those issues and to live an overcoming life. And joy is that thing that God has given to us. He is that, it is that substance that God has given to us to help keep life uh, from destroying us. And in essence, when you read that particular verse, and I discussed this at length with my brother the other day, what, why is joy so significant in Scripture? And, and when you go look at, uh, at, at the word, you discover that there are uh, several hundred times that the word joy or joyful or joyous or rejoicing. I don't even know how many times the word rejoice or rejoicing is uh, mentioned in scripture, but I do know that just the word joy and joyful and joyous is mentioned almost 200 times in scripture. And so if, if it's mentioned that often in Scripture, there's got to be a greater significance to it than we recognize. And when I started reading this verse again and trying to grapple with joy because it's that elusive thing, I tried to define it 
And the more I tried to define it, the harder it was to, to put a definition to it. Uh, because it, and I think you'll understand my reasoning for that in a moment. But as you look through the scripture, it, it is defined in so many ways. And yet when I listen to what Nehemiah spoke to Israel and to God's people, that they were, it was time for them to be joyful. It was time for them to be happy. It was not time for them to be sad. And there were evidently reasons for them to be sorrowful. But he said, this is not the time to be sorrowful. This is the time to be joyful because the joy of the Lord is your defense. It is what helps you deal with the issues that life throws. It's what helps you go through the problems that life brings to you. It's what gives you the courage to get up in the morning and keep going even though life is threatening you on every side. And so in essence, joy, joy is what balances my life against all of these assaults. It is what God has given to me to help keep life in balance in, in, in this journey that I'm on. And you know as well as I do, life is tough. And if, if, if you don't understand that, you must be living somewhere, I don't know where you're at, but I'm just telling you that on my block, in my neighborhood, life, can deal you some blows that are hard, circumstances and things that happen and, 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 and you know, things that, that go wrong and the strain and the pressure that life puts on us and, and the demands and the issues that come up that we had nothing to do with and yet we're having to deal with them or we're having to try to figure out how to get through them and then the fears that come with all of the unknowns and the sicknesses and the diseases and all of the other issues that life throws at us. And God said, I'm going to give you something that will help you keep your life in balance and it will help you keep yourself from going crazy. And that is my joy. I am going to give something to you. That is part of who I am. It is my substance. I'm going to give it to you as a gift. And that gift is going to be what helps keep life in balance and keeps you from losing your mind and going crazy because the joy of the Lord becomes your defense. Amen. The joy of the Lord. And so as I've been looking at this, I have felt strongly prompted of the Holy Ghost to explore this subject with you. And even though it intimidates me every time I come to it, I still want to try to make a way through there. And so for the tonight and maybe next Wednesday, and I don't know, maybe another Wednesday, I want us to go through Scripture and, and I want us to look at the importance and the value and how critical joy is to our life. And Joy is not just plastering a smile on your face. Joy is not just being upbeat all the time. Joy is much more than superficial. Joy is something internal. Joy is something that God deposited in you when he gave you the Holy Ghost. It's part of his spirit. And we need to learn how to utilize that. We need to learn how to make it work for us. The joy of the Lord 
is our defense. In Scrabble, joy is worth 13 points. And if you happen to be lucky and wind up having a triple score on which you can put it down, it might be worth three times that amount. But in life, joy is invaluable. In real life, Joy is worth more than just 30 points or 40 points. Joy in life can make the difference between making it and not making it, between keeping your sanity and going over the edge and losing your cool. In life, it's worth more than anything that I know of, and it's one of our greatest assets, and yet it is so seldom utilized. Joy is uniquely Christian. It is a principle of the word. You cannot fully understand what it means by going to Webster's Dictionary or the Collegiate Dictionary. You have to find its meaning in the word. You've got to go back to the source. And I want to define it for you. I would love to give you a working definition of joy. But more important than that, I want to understand. And that's what I've been praying for today. God, I want you to help me. I have been trying to preach for a long, long time and I've been trying to live for you for more years than I've been preaching. But I want a better understanding of joy. I want to know why it's important. And I want to know how I can utilize that in my life so that it becomes my defense. It becomes that balance to all of life's craziness that you can sing even in the rain. Amen. That you can rejoice in spite of circumstances. Amen. When, when you try to define it, you'll find, just as I have, that it's difficult to do. Why is it so important to our life? And what happens when we seem to lose it? I want to tell you something. I want to dispel that notion. I don't think we lose it. We just lose focus of it. We get our eyes on the wrong thing. And when we get our eyes on the wrong thing, we are easily overwhelmed. But I want us to turn our eyes back toward the source of our strength the source of our defense, the source of all that we need, and that is the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my defense. Amen. When I go to Scripture, I find it even more challenging because if you study the Scripture, you will find that there are over 25 words in the Old Testament that are translated joy or joyous, or rejoice. And in the Greek New Testament, there are over 10 words that are used to define joy. And then you will find that when you read the Scripture, that there are 196 plus references to these 35 different words that are used to describe 
joy. And so when you start going through and reading these scriptures and, and letting them absorb or, or, or absorb them into your system and into your mind and your spirit, you begin to understand that it takes all 35 of them to really help you understand the totality of the strength of the joy of the Lord and to find the power of its meaning in its simplest form, it means to be made glad, to be made glad, to be cheerful. Condense it down and you simply have this, that joy is simply gladness in the Lord. And yet that doesn't seem to do well enough. It is an inner assurance. It is a confidence And that confidence ignites a cheerfulness in our heart and mind. And a cheerful heart is what leads to a cheerful behavior. And it is an emotional response. And this is what is so amazing about joy is that it is an emotion. It is a feeling, but it is a divine feeling. You know, emotions can be dangerous if you don't know how to, to, to understand what they, they are, but this is an emotional response to a living problem. It is a quality of life which should belong to the Christian and to the child of God. And it is the reverse of happiness because happiness is the result of what happens to me. It is tied to my circumstances, but joy is not tied to my circumstances. Joy is connected to something much deeper, much more powerful. It springs from deeper resources. It has a greater source. It is interesting to me that in the the book of Nehemiah, the word joy that is used there from its root meaning literally means to be joined. So what in essence the scripture is saying is that when I join myself with the Lord, then that becomes my defense. So it is the connection that I make in life that is what makes the difference. It is in this connection. It is in understanding this connection that, that, that changes the experiences of life and transforms them. The key to understanding joy is to find out where that comes from, to find out its source and its root. And according to Ephesians 5 and 22 and 23, it is part of the fruit of the Spirit. So it is in essence God manifest in my life. Joy is based on a spiritual reality, not a physical reality. And this is where we need to understand where the power of joy comes into play in our life. Because so much of life has to do with the physical reality. What's actually happening to me? What's going wrong or what's not working out in my life? Or the pressure that's on me or the stress that's come 
or the unanswered prayers and, and all of those things that are pressing. That's the physical reality. But there is also working in my behalf a spiritual reality and that spiritual reality is this, that God is always enough. That God is always sufficient. That God is always in control. That God is orchestrating all things for the good in my life. That it doesn't matter what happened. Joy is not an experience that comes from favorable circumstances, but it comes from God alone. It is the fact that my life is not in the hands of issues or people or circumstances or trouble or fear or doubt or anything else, but my life is in the hands of God and I am trusting him and I am going to let him work those things out in my life. So joy is this inward peace and sufficiency that is not affected by outward circumstances because I am content and satisfied with God. I am content and satisfied with God, and more importantly, I am at peace with his dealings in my life. When I understand that one statement right there, and I don't know that, maybe I need to break that down, but when, when we understand that our life is not at the whelm of anything going on around us, but it is under the control of what is on the inside of us, that life can be transformed. It is that sense of God's mercy. It is that sense of God's spirit working in my life and in my behalf that no matter what happens, it doesn't matter if life turns out to where I wind up in a prison cell or I wind up being uh, 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 befriended or defriended or whatever, however else you get uh, t- taken off of somebody's page. That, that, that doesn't define who I am. That there's something more powerful that is stamping my life. And that is the imprint of the Almighty's hand on my life. And so it doesn't matter. The circumstances around me are not what are determining the happiness and the peace in my life. It comes from the inside. I am content with God. That's that's something I, I don't know that we... Are we really content with God in the way he works things out in our life? I know I don't understand him. I do know that. I I don't understand God's ways. And there's times that I have to stand back and say, God, what are you doing? What are you up to today? I don't understand this. And, and, And I hear that small voice whisper to me, it's okay. I've got it covered. I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm up to. And at some point, you have to relax. You have to step back and say, you know what? I trust that voice. I trust that one that's speaking to me right now, that he is actually working these things. I don't understand them. I don't like them. I pray that God would take them away from me. I don't want to go through them. But whatever the case may be, I trust the one that's working in my life right now. I trust the hand that's on me. You know, if, if, you, if you didn't know better, 
you would think that we would never get anything accomplished in life because there's so many adversities. When I think about our church building program, I'm telling you, it's like a daily battle of spirits. It's like a daily war that goes on around here. Every morning when I wake up and get my clothes on and head this way, I'm wondering what's going to go wrong today. And some of you that have been around here working know what I'm talking about. It's like a daily, and if you're not careful, you get to thinking, well, maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Well, hold on a moment. Let's go further back than the problem. Let's go back to the promise. Because a promise was made way back there that I can't let my present problem, I can't let it tear apart what God promised me back here because his promise is still working. And even though I may be in present circumstances that I don't like and I don't understand, I know this much that God's promise trumps my problem every day of the week. And I need to get my eyes off of my problems and I need to get my eyes back on my promises uh, and I need to understand that my life is in his hands not in circumstances amen and when you learn to do that something happens there is this feeling that comes from deep inside everything's going to be all right amen Everything's going to be all right. How do you know that? Because I know God. And I know he's going to work things. He's going to make it work for my good. How is he going to do it? I don't know how God does it all. I just know this, that you can't have a miracle unless you have an impossibility. And God specializes in impossibilities. There is nothing that is too hard for God. There is nothing that is impossible with God. So when I seem to be facing a human impossibility, all I am looking at is what God already has an answer for. You see, it's not supposed to be able to be taken from me, this joy. And yet, sometimes we lose our joy. And you say, how do you know that? Because the psalmist prayed, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. What happened? Did something actually steal the joy? I don't believe it stole the joy. I believe that the psalmist just allowed his eyes for a temporary moment to shift to the wrong thing. And if you ever allow your eyes to shift to the wrong thing, there's no telling what kind of problems will erupt in your life. There's no telling what kind of hopelessness will overcome you. Because when you start looking at things and problems and issues around you, they are overwhelming. And you look at yourself and you look at your resources and you say, I can't handle this. I've got news for you. You don't have to handle it. God's given you something. It's called joy. It's a substance of what he is and he has put it in us and he said that is your strength that is your defense that's what you have to learn how to live in the joy of the Lord and grasping an understanding of its meaning and its principle to my life is so very important because when I truly understand the significance of the joy of the Lord I have a tool now, an asset 
that no matter what life brings against me or I face, I am sufficiently armed to meet that particular problem. Amen. We lose our joy when we shift our focus from Him to our problem, from Him to our troubles, from Him to the issues going on in our life. And all that you have to do to reclaim your joy is just refocus your attention. And that's why worship is so important. That's why coming to church is so valuable because there's something goes on in here. I I see it happen every service. They're playing along over here and we're just going through and and we're doing our little thing. We're singing our song and all of a sudden something clicks. And what is that click? I'll tell you what that click is, that that person who has been singing and worshiping has just been going through the routine, but something, there was a shift in their their vision. They moved their eyes from their problem. They elevated their eyes above their issues. And when they did, they saw a God who was great and a God who was mighty and a God who was on their side and a God who was able. And when you start seeing a God who is able, you cannot help but rejoice. You cannot help but shout aloud and dance about. Amen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to close here. I'm going to talk to you for a few minutes about what robs joy. There are four things that I believe rob joy from a person's life. And you can find them all addressed in the book of Philippians. And we're going we're gonna to take a journey through Philippians uh, over the next couple of services. In the book of Philippians... A book, a letter that was written by a prisoner. A letter written by a prisoner. And yet in this letter, Paul shares a secret as to how he has been able to deal with all of the adverse happenings of his own personal life. And he shares the secret of a Christian's joy. At least 19 times... In four chapters, the word joy, rejoice, is mentioned 19 times in four short chapters. I mean, you can read the book of Philippians in 30 minutes. And in 30 minutes' time, Paul addresses joy 19 times. Why? Because he wanted the Philippian believer to understand that what he was able to do wasn't because Paul was a superman. You know, some people have this idea, this mistaken idea, that the reason that living for God is so easy for Brother Landon is because he's a spiritual superstar. He just has more, he has more, you know, he just has more than I do. And the truth is, that is the farthest thing from the reality of life. The fact is, Paul was not a superstar. Paul had just learned how to utilize the assets that God had given him. And one of those assets was the joy that was part of the fruit of the Spirit that he had put in him. And when he started activating that, when he started living on that, when he started responding in joy, it took away the sting 
of the lash. It took away the bluntness of those harsh words. And he realized that they can't hurt me. Paul's situation appears to be one where there is no reason for him to have an attitude of rejoicing. And yet, in spite of his chains and in spite of his public humiliation, the Bible said he rejoiced. And then he, if you go through and read the book of Philippians, you will find Paul pointing out four things that have a tendency to steal our joy. Number one is circumstances. The conditions affecting or surrounding your situation. The things that happen in life. When things are going our way, it's not hard to worship. It's not hard to praise. It's not hard to be upbeat. It's a whole lot easier to talk about this subject when life is going your way. But oh, how difficult it is to consider joy when you're dealing with some of the frustration that you're dealing with. But very few circumstances of life, very few circumstances of life do I really have the power to control. So why am I allowing something that I don't have control of to affect my life when I do have something that I have control of that if I utilized it would change my life, it would transform my life, and that is what God has put in me. You see, I can't control the weather or the traffic or people's reactions, or what they say, or what they do. But I can embrace and utilize what God has put in me. Number two, the second joy stealer are people. Life would be really great if it wasn't for people. <laughs> yeah. People, all of us, all of us know what it is to deal with people. <laughs> what they do, what they say, how they act, what they are. Woo, my people, humans, <laughs> as as one man said, humans, as he called them, humans. We have had our fill with dealing with people. Amen. And we have been made unhappy by people. <laughs> but you are doing your life an injustice to give any person that kind of power over your life. When God has given you a power that's greater than the people that you have to deal with in life. People are generally what calls us the greatest distress because we put trust in them, we put confidence in them and they let us down and they disappoint us and they hurt us and they say things that wound us and we're different. And we're all looking at life from different views and we have different tastes and ideas and thoughts and how do you bring all that spells conflict. And yet God said, don't let a person 
Don't let a person steal your joy. Number three, things. Things, unspecified, unnameable, material objects, occurrences, details, stuff that you can't even put a name. The Old Testament talks about all they could do is describe them. They had six toes. Didn't give them a name. You're just dealing with a monster that has six toes. Sometimes that's life. You're dealing with stuff in life, things that just don't, that you can't find a word to describe them in the dictionary. Yeah. Jesus dealt with things seven times in the Sermon on the Mount. The word things is used. Later on in Luke, he would say a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things that he possesseth. Things have a way of destroying our peace. There were two little boys walking down the road with their dad one day and they were crying and fighting and carrying on. And finally, a man stopped him and said, man, what is wrong with your boys? He said, I'll tell you, it's the same thing that's wrong with all the world. He said, I have three walnuts in my pocket and they both want two of them. Amen. Things become the sedative of life's pains. We think if we have more things that we'll have greater happiness. And yet some of the most miserable people on the face of the earth are people that have all kind of things, but they have no peace. The last joy stealer is worry. Worry. Perhaps the worst thief of all, it robs us of peace and fulfillment. People can medicate the symptoms of life, but they never go to the real root of the problem and get to the core of what's going on. And worry, my friend, is an inside job that we do on ourselves. And it's because we turn our eyes from what we really need to be focused on to the things that are distracting us, that are annoying us, that are paining us, that are irritating us. And when we do that, all we have left is just to medicate. Do you know you can buy sleep at the drugstore? But you can't buy rest at the drugstore. Because rest comes from a different source. Rest comes from something deeper than what you can put in your mouth. It has to come from down in the soul of who you are. And when you begin to understand that God deposited something in me, when he gave me the Holy Ghost, when he gave me his spirit, he put something in me that was to be a defense against issues and things and circumstances and people and worry. He put in me something that if I would learn how to utilize it and learn how to live in it and learn how to make it work for me, it would not destroy my peace. It would not take away my sleep. Amen. How do we stop these thieves from robbing us? By understanding what joy is and learning how to utilize that joy. Amen. Maybe next week we can go into that. I don't know, but I feel so strongly that 
There, there are people that are dealing with issues in your life right now that what you really need to do is get, get a hold of the joy that God has put in you through the power of his Holy Ghost. That joy, that deposit that he put in you and start using that. The joy of the Lord. I challenge you over the next few days, go through the word of God and find every scripture you can find that has anything to do with joy or rejoice and find out what happens when you read those verses. That the joy of the Lord is my defense. In your presence, I will show you the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. He said, I want you to be able to understand the fullness of what I have done. That's what he prayed in John chapter 17. And I close with it. Let's go back there as we close tonight, John chapter 17, amen, John the 17th chapter and that, that 13th verse, he said, and now come I to thee and these things I speak in the world that they might have my joy fulfilled, translated, brought to fruition in themselves. Amen. Part of that is just simply understanding that your life is in the hands of an almighty and loving God and He's going to work it out. Amen. He's going to work it out. If I didn't believe that tonight, I would not come into this pulpit and preach to you. But I am convinced tonight that circumstances and pain and people and all of those other things that have a way of stealing our joy, they are not what's controlling my life tonight. He is. And when I understand that, it kind of makes me happy. It puts a good feeling down inside of me that some, nobody, can, nobody can do this. No, nobody can put me down that he can't lift me up. Oh, they tried. They put Joseph in prison. But you can't keep a good man down. You can't keep a God man down. You can't keep a God person down. Put him in prison. But God said, that's all right. I'm going to work some things out. I'm going to work some things into him while he's in there so that when he comes out, he'll be the kind of leader I need him to be. Amen. You can put Paul and Silas in the inner prison. I mean, that's far enough back that they have to shoot beans to you to feed you. But you can't put anybody so far into a prison that with just opening their mouth and lifting their voice, they can't connect with another world. Amen. Amen. But you got to wake up and realize that that's what God put in me. And the way for me to step up and get over what I'm going through is to start learning how to rejoice in the Lord. Let's stand together. Amen. The joy, the joy of the Lord. Not mine, but His. His joy. His spirit. Amen. That's my defense. So when I come up against circumstances and people and problems, Amen. I'm going to find that there's a solution. If you read the book of Philippians, you're going to discover there's another word 
that Paul used quite often in that writing other than the word joy or rejoice, and that is the word mind. And I believe that the key to really understanding the, and utilizing joy is to understand the power that your mind has in playing a part of your spiritual victory. We're going to talk about that maybe next week. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you for your people. We're so grateful, Lord. I know that I've done an inadequate job tonight, but I pray that your word has found some kind of root in us. I pray that something, Lord, has been said that will call somebody to lift up their eyes and look beyond their problems and their circumstances and realize that they are your child. I am your God, you are saying to us. I am your Savior, you are saying to us. And understand that and embrace that and realize that there is no weapon that is formed against me that shall prosper. There is no weapon that is formed against me that shall prosper. But Lord, you will with every trial, you will with every temptation, you will make a way of escape. Oh God, tonight I pray that you will help us, that we would begin to understand the power of joy in our life and utilize it and live in it. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise right now. Oh, hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, the joy of the Lord is your defense. Amen. God bless you tonight. I love you. Thank you for being here. See you this weekend in Jesus' name.